Um, I'm going to be reading uh, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Uh, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light up a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to, to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see uh, your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Thank you, Amy. Good morning. This is the time when our, our kids head out for children's church, so they're going to go out the back there with the Harpers and head to the other building. So if you've got a child three years old through second grade, they can head that direction. And uh, we've also got a nursery over there, a staff nursery, if you've got one younger than three that needs that, or a cry room in the back as well. And so if you need any of that this morning, then we encourage and invite you to take advantage of that. Uh, thank you, Aiden, for, for reading that for us. And, and as we did last week and this week, we're going to, uh, I think, do that for at least most of this series. All or most of the series is have some of our young people read the, the section of the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to be in uh, for each morning. And that'll kind of frame our, our lesson, our, our sermon for each morning. So I appreciate uh, their willingness to do that and to, um, to be a part of our, our worship in that way and, and read the scriptures for us. And also appreciate and am thankful for, for you, Chris, and for the ways in which you lead us um, and for the rest of the band uh, that, that we often say, for the ways they lead us in worship and, and for your authenticity as you lead us. And, and secondarily to that, to the fact that you called us great candy today. So that's, <laughs> that's good. We're talking about us as salt and light this morning, and candy works as well. So, um, but I, I do appreciate the, the authenticity with which all of, all of the, those who participate in our, our worship from up here um, and from, uh, from the rest of the, the worship center um, praise God and offer our hearts and voices um, to God each Sunday. Uh, so we are continuing this morning with, with our series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And, and last week we, we looked at the beginning of the sermon where Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount with what we call the Beatitudes. And as we discussed last week, the Beatitudes represent an, an alternative way of, of viewing the world um, and, and an alternative way of, of really coming to understand what it means to be blessed and what it means to lead a blessed life. And so then we're kind of left with this question then of, so, so what does that look like? What, are the, what do the Beatitudes look like in practice? What does it look like when we, when we live them out? And I think Jesus kind of indirectly or directly answers that with what comes right after the Beatitudes. And I think he says that, I think he would say, it looks like salt and light. Uh, even today, we recognize the importance that salt and, life play, salt and light play in, in our lives, the way we live, the way we operate and go about our, our day-to-day functions. Uh, But I also think that those words and their connotation probably carried more weight for Jesus' original audience. Uh, We connect salt mostly in terms of its usage to to adding flavor to to the foods that we eat. Uh, But for Jesus' audience, salt would have had many more uses. Uh, They they used salt for, for preservation, to preserve food. 
uh, which is an aspect of, of salt that we really don't have much use for in, in modern living, in most cases at least. Uh, but that was a vital part of life, to, to be able to keep your food, uh, you know, edible, uh, was, was to be able to, to have salt, to preserve it. Uh, and it was such a crucial function of salt, and, and that was such a, a crucial part of life that salt was even used for currency. You could use it for bartering and trading, and it was a, it was a valued commodity in Jesus' day. Uh, we just go to the store um, and, and buy a huge thing of it, and then are surprised when it runs out, right? Like, who runs out of salt? It's just something you always have in the, in the cabinet. Uh, it's just there at our every disposal. Uh, same thing sort of for light, I think. Uh, light was a much more valued commodity then, I would guess, uh, because today we just have light on, on endless t- supply. It's just on tap at our every whim. We have light whenever we want it. Um, and, and I think that, that to illustrate sort of how much we take it for granted, uh, I'm willing to guess that all of us, when the electricity has gone off in our house, have tried to turn on a light switch, right? Anyone else? You've done that, right? Um, maybe not, just me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, me and Pam. Um, so it's just, we just take it for granted. We just have light whenever we want it. Uh, that wasn't the same in Jesus' day. You didn't have just endless supply of light. Uh, you had lamps that had oil in them, and, and you had to think about when and how you used your light. Uh, and so these things were, we recognize the use and the value of them, but I think they probably carried even more weight and value for Jesus' original audience. Uh, But what I wanted to invite us to consider this morning uh, was true for them and I think remains true for us as it relates to salt and light. And that is this, that salt and light both point us, uh, or salt and light both point to something beyond themselves. They point us to something beyond just what they are in and of themselves. Uh, no one eats just salt. Uh, Banner does, but, you know, most people <laughs> don't eat just salt. Y'all should, well, Banner can put down some salt, man. He just dump it and down it goes. Um, most of us don't eat just salt. You may eat a lot of salt on your food, but none of us are going to go out to lunch and just order a bowl of salt. Um, we salt the other things that we eat. Salt enhances or adds flavor to other things that we eat. Uh, but we don't eat it separate and apart from uh, the, the foods, the main dishes, the whatever it is that we're eating. Uh, salt can make an average dish taste amazing on its own. But eating salt on its own would be a very different story. Similarly, I'm guessing that none of us are planning to simply go home tonight and sit in our living rooms and marvel at the light on our ceiling fans right? Like, that's not what we do. We don't go home and just say, well, what are you doing tonight? Well, I'm going to enjoy the light in my living room. Um, that's not, especially on Super Bowl Sunday, right? We won't be doing, we won't be doing that um, in, in our homes tonight. Again, partly because we just, we kind of take it for granted. It's always there. Uh, but light is something we use to facilitate other activities. It's never, it's never the end. It's a means to the end. Uh, we use it to facilitate whatever it is that we're doing, Light helps us navigate and enables us to do things. But like salt, it points us to something beyond itself. And in living the life that Jesus is calling us to live, in living as salt and light, we point people beyond ourselves to the work of Christ and to the love of God in our lives. 
Jesus pretty clearly spells that out uh, himself in part of what Aidan read for us this morning. Let your light shine before others, Jesus says, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt preserves and enhances. Light illuminates and reveals. And our call is to do the same. In preserving, salt points to the goodness of whatever it is that it protects. It recognizes that something is, is worth keeping and securing. And so, to, uh, and so do we as Christians point to the goodness of creation and the qualities and values that sustain people and communities and relationships. We preserve by exercising good stewardship over our world and by living lives of, of virtue and humility. In adding flavor, salt enhances whatever it touches magnifying the, the elements that already exist within that food and, and bringing them out in more discernible ways. And so, too, do we as Christians magnify the love and mercy of God in ways that others can more easily discern as we serve and encourage and lift up. In illuminating, light brings clarity. It provides for movement, for freedom, and for progress. And so, too, do we as Christians provide hope direction, and guidance when we live as light, showing the world a path to peace, purpose, and salvation. In revealing that which is unseen, light exposes areas of darkness. And so, too, do we as Christians expose places of injustice and evil so that righteousness can take hold in areas that have otherwise been obscured by darkness. And as we live as salt and light, our call is to live in such a way that points beyond ourselves to the majesty, the glory, the love, and the mercy of God. Toward the end of our service today, uh, we're going to have what we've been calling an elder blessing. And we are, are welcoming and adding Jason Martin as, as part of our eldership this morning some of you may be f familiar with terms like elder uh, installation, which just to me sounds like you're putting new software in a computer or something. So I've tried not to use that term in the way that I've thought about it. I've tried to think in more terms of welcoming and adding. Um, but we'll, we'll have more to say about that um, at the end as we um, want to bless and, and welcome Jason and, and our, our eldership as a whole. Uh, and so we'll have more on that at the end. But, but for now, I do want to, to mention... Uh, something that I think is connected to the sermon that's worth highlighting. Um, and that is that the, the four men who are going to serve our church in, in this leadership capacity are men who consistently point others to Christ and seek the work of good in others. Uh, it's been one of my great joys at, at this church to work with our eldership and, and to see their, their servant hearts and their humility and the ways that they lead uh, with wisdom, but also with, with care for the needs of others, the desires of others, uh, the hopes of others, and taking care of needs, spiritual, physical, and otherwise. Um, and I know that Jason will be a great addition to that and, and will fit right in line with how our, our eldership has led, uh, as it's been the three of them who have been together for, for years as, as the triad of them. And, and I think it's interesting and telling... Um, that within, and I, hes I hesitated to even bring this up, but, but 
within our eldership now with the four of our elders, we have two counselors, therapists, and two doctors. Um, and I hesitated to bring that up, as I said, because I don't want it to seem like that's like a requirement that you have to have, you know, that type of a, of a job. Uh, Paul was a tent maker and seemed to be a pretty good church leader. Um, and, and so I don't want to, to kind of, you know, say that these are elevated roles over others or anything like that. Uh, but I think it does show a couple of things. One of the things I, that I think it shows is that we have men in our eldership who are committed to lifelong learning. And I appreciate that about our, our eldership, uh, that they are continuing to learn and to grow, which you have to do in those professions. You have to continue to, to take in information and to learn and grow. Um, and, and our elders do that as a part of, of their work within the church, and I appreciate that. But in connection to, to what it has to do with this morning, I think it also shows to me that they have devoted their professional careers to improving the lives of others. They have devoted their lives to, to being salt and light for the needs of others in their community and in their lives, uh, to, to enhancing and preserving uh, and revealing uh, things in, in others' lives, be those physical, spiritual, emotional, or otherwise. And I believe they bring that same commitment and passion to their work within the church and the kingdom as they serve in ways that lift others up and bring glory to God. And so we are, are a church that is blessed to have as shepherds men who lead by examples in that way. And it is the call of each of us to point those around us to the glory of God. Uh, this is, I think, an underlying theme, in some places not so underlying theme of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, there's this question that runs throughout the sermon of, of why are you doing the things that you're doing? Uh, like in, in, in a section that's going to come pretty soon after this, there's this, there's this long list where Jesus says, you've heard it say, say this, but I tell you this. You've heard it said this, but I tell you this. And what it seems like he's addressing is there's, there's people who were, were really trying to follow the letter of the law while missing the spirit of the law, right? That I'm going I'm to try really hard not to murder someone else, but I can be mean to someone or I can be angry at someone or I can mistreat someone without murdering them. Uh, and so there's this, this question of why are we doing the things that we're, we're doing? And he directly then addresses some of that in a section right after that, where he talks about giving to the needy, he talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting. And he basically says, when you're doing these things, make sure you're doing these things for the right reason. Because if you're doing these things only to be seen by others, if your motivation is simply so other people see you doing these things, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and that's all that you're going to get out of it. You're not going to get anything else out of it. Others may see you. They may think you're something great. They may think you're grand. But that's all that you're going to get. <laughs> uh, and when Jesus says that, I don't think he, he's trying to make God out as like your jealous friend who gets mad if you spend time with someone else. It's like, fine, well, then you just go spend time with them. <laughs> I don't think that's what he means. Uh, but I think of it kind of like this, that, that maybe someone decided that, that they... Um, they were going to get a gym membership and go to the gym, but not really because they wanted to get in shape, just because they wanted other people to see them going to the gym. And so you get the gym membership, you go to the gym, and uh, they take selfies at the gym and post them on Facebook so other people see them at the gym, maybe even squirt some water on their face, right? That's what Jesus says with fasting. Like when you fast, he says, don't rub stuff on your face so other people see it. So maybe the, the modern application with that would be squirting water on your face, taking a picture of the man, look at all this sweat that I'm doing, it's working out so hard. <laughs> uh, they, they make sure everybody sees them at the gym, talk about the gym, but they're, they're so busy doing all that, they never actually work out at the gym. 
Well, that person can't be mad a month later when they haven't gotten any better shape, right? Like, it's not the gym's fault. It's not the equipment's fault that they're in the same place they were a month ago. It's because the only reason they were doing that was to be seen by others looking like they're putting all this work in. And I think the same is true with what Jesus is getting at. Like, if your motivation behind doing these things is simply so other people see you doing them, you've missed the spiritual benefit of doing those things. You've missed the point of, of doing it. Um, and you need to, to kind of take a step back and, and ask, why am I doing these things? Why am I giving? Is it so I, I can be seen as generous uh, or so that I can, can serve others and, and extend the love and grace that God has shown to me with others? Um, if no one else sees me give someone something, does it still count? Do I have to brag about it? Uh, if, if no one else sees when I pray, if I just pray at home alone in the closet, does that count? These are rhetorical because repeatedly Jesus says that's how we should be doing these things. And so there's this underlying question throughout the sermon of why are you doing the things that you're doing? And I think he begins that here by reminding us that we are salt and light in the ways that we live because we are called to point others to the glory and to love of God. And so in order for that to take place, uh, there are a couple of things that have to happen. And so for that, I'm, I've got a helper who's going to come help me this morning. Uh, so Isley, if you want to come up here, uh, Isley's going to be my volunteer this morning. And so uh, these are a couple of things that I think have to happen in order for us to really, um, you're going to stand right here, okay, to be salt and light. And so Isley, I'm going to have you do something really simple for me, okay? She kind of knows what we're doing, but not fully. So I'm going to give you this piece of paper. Don't open this until I tell you to, okay? But you're going to take this, and you're going to read what's on there. Don't open it, though. I'm going to do one more thing before you read it. All right, Jeff, you can come up here. You can hold this. All right. So before you read, step up here a little bit. Jeff and I are going to very gently and carefully put this over the top of you here. There we go. All right, go ahead, Eyes. You can open the paper now. Go ahead and read it for us. What? You can't? Oh, sorry, is the mic not on? I don't know. Oh, there it is. Okay, good. All right, now go ahead. Mic's on. You can read it. I can't read it. I can't see it. Why can't you see it? Because it's dark. Well, the lights are on. But there's a box over me. <laughs> well, we can't, we can't turn the lights up any higher. I know. There's a box over my head. There's a box over you? Yeah. But the lights are on in the room. But there's a box over me. Oh, so you, would it be easier if we took this box off? Yes. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that'll, that'll work then. Uh, this, is, this is the box our new ovens came in this week. So I wanted to show off. We got new ovens. Here's the box they came in. So I just wanted to show you all that box. Uh, okay, so thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Give Jeff a hand. <laughs> all right. You didn't even open it. Maybe if you opened it, you could have seen it. I'm just kidding. All right, open it up. Now you can read it for real. There you go. Can you read that for us now? Now can you see? Yes. All right, very good. Light that can't be seen is as useful as unsalty salt. All right, thank you. All right. Thank you. You can go have a seat. Light that can't be seen is as useful as, as unsalty salt. Um, 
much has been made about Jesus' statement, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Uh, you can get real technical and scientific for that. I think it's one of the cases where Jesus is, is really just using some humor and saying, if salt's not salty, it's not worth much good, right? Uh, if you can't see light, it's not going to do you much good. And so uh, what that silly little illustration, I think, is a reminder of um, is that in order for us to be salt and light, as simple and obvious as it sounds, we have to be engaged in the world in order to have an impact on the world. Uh, salt and light have to be in contact with and engage what, with whatever it is that they are impacting in order to work. Uh, light has to come into contact with whatever it is that it's trying to illuminate. Uh, if you've got salt over here and the rest of your meal over here and they're not interacting, if they're not doing anything, the salt's not going to have much of an effect or an impact on the food. Uh, Salt and light have to be engaged with and interacting with and, and penetrating whatever it is that they are enhancing and preserving and revealing and illuminating. Uh, salt and light are great, but they have to come into contact with whatever it is they are affecting. And followers of Jesus are, are called to be forces of good in the world who are positive influences on the people they interact with and the environments that they are a part of. Uh, we have to be involved in active participants in, in the world um, and in having a positive impact on it. This, this is true within, within our families, within our, our, our circles of influence, whether that's at school or, or work or uh, places where we're connected in the community, uh, that we are called to be impact, uh, impactful uh, in positive and, and affirming ways with those around us. So that's the first thing, is that we actually have to be engaged with the world in order to impact it for good. The second thing that has to happen for us to live as salt and light is that we have to come to recognize and internalize our identity in Christ and live into it. Uh, it seems relevant to me that Christ doesn't call us to be salt and light. He tells us that we are salt and light. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Uh, not that you can be, not that you might be someday if you work hard enough or do enough. No, he just says you are. Simply in your identity as a child of God, you are salt and light. Our call then is to recognize that as our identity and to live into it. To not lose our saltiness or, or cover up our light. You are salt and light. You are loved by the Father. You are worthy of Christ giving up his life for you. You are those things now as you are who you are and where you are in this moment. And in our baptism, we take on Christ and find our identity in him. And when we live out our baptism well, we do so by refusing to have our identity in Christ compromised. And in doing so, we point to the work of God and the glory of God in our lives. So this week, may we live out our identity as salt and light. May we be salty and bright as we reveal the glory of God in our lives. May the grace and love of Christ be evident within us. And may we live out our baptism by fully recognizing our identity in Christ and remembering that our call is not to become salt and light, but to embody the truth that Christ has already declared us as such. 
And so this morning, as, as we celebrate Christ in our communion meal together, uh, we come together as those who are salt and light, joined together by Christ who gave of himself for us and who now sends us out in his power to be positive influences on our world, to be salt and light. And usually, uh, as we head into our communion service, we, we stand and sing a song, but today uh, we're, we're simply going to go straight into our prayer of confession and communion. Uh, and as we share in this communion meal, I want to invite us to remember Christ's love for us and to be encouraged with the truth that in Him we are fully equipped to live out the identity that He has spoken into us, to live out our identity as, as loved, as worthy, and his salt and his light. And so I do still want to invite you to stand, if you'll stand, and, and we'll pray our prayer of confession together uh, this morning. We'll pray this together. I'll pray the parts in white, and together we'll pray the parts in yellow, and then we'll share in our communion meal. Father, we confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be, and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. You may be seated. of love that's calling There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands everything you're going through You keep standing at a In the shadows of your strength There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place Sadness, 
thanks again for, for joining us here today. And uh, as I said, we're going to close our, our service today uh, with our what we're calling our, our elder blessing. And uh, in part, welcoming uh, and adding Jason officially uh, into our eldership and, and then uh, having a time of prayer and blessing over, over Jason and, and his addition to, to the team, but, but over our, our eldership uh, as, as what will be our, our new whole. And, and as we've talked about and, and said maybe in off conversations, or I know when we first kind of announced this uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Terry made the comment in class that we, we know there are, are many different ways that, that churches go about the process of, of adding to the eldership, and everyone does it a little differently. And so uh, we know this may have been a little different process that some are used to. And so we, in many ways, and in this way included, appreciate uh, everyone's flexibility and, uh, and, and understanding in that and but we are we're we're just thrilled uh, and and excited for for Jason to come on board and to be a part of uh, of our eldership and and to use his gifts in that way. Uh, Jason uh, has has been leading within our church with with wisdom and, and humility uh, and and grace for for many years. I know and and kind of has always stepped up to do whatever has been needed. And so we know he's going to bring that same. Uh, those same gifts, that same energy uh, and, and willingness and heart into his role as, as elder. Uh, as I've been thinking about Jason coming on as elder, I've been reminded that my first uh, conversations with people at the Vine were, uh, well, my first conversation with, with really anyone was in a Skype or something similar to that conversation with, with Tim Stevens and with, with Jason Martin, uh, who were part of the, the search committee when we were uh, interviewing to, to come be a part of the vine. And, and we knew that, uh, that in order for us to, to go somewhere else, it was going to have to be what we felt like was, was just a great fit. And, and uh, even in just that conversation with Tim and with Jason, uh, we, we knew that this was, was a special place and, and a place that we wanted to, to continue to, to get to know better. And so Jason and I have continued working together and Youth ministry stuff, small group stuff, Wednesday night stuff, uh, other, other types of things, and, and uh, find commonality on most all things except baseball, where, where Jason is an Astros fan and I'm a Rangers fan. And so, if anything speaks to the unity of Christ, it is that we can have such a close relationship um, with, with that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, Jason, I'm going to invite you to, to come up first and... Um, and so we're going to give Jason a hand, yeah, as we welcome him. This is Jason. If some of you do not know, uh, Jason's family is uh, Carrie and Aiden and Regan. If y'all can stand up real quick, you don't have to come, but you can just stand where you are. This is Carrie, his wife, and kids, Aiden and Regan, if you're not familiar with their family. Um, and then uh, extended family, this is both your sets of parents, right, are here this morning as well. So Coincidentally. Coincidentally. Well, that's great. Uh, and so what we wanted to do this morning was to, to not only uh, sort of bless and, and pray over Jason, but, but really to do that with our eldership as a whole. And thank you for standing down there because I feel tall. Um, so <laughs> this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I'm going to ask the other three of our elders now to, to come up and to join uh, Jason, and, and we're going to have a time of, of, of blessing and prayer and scripture, not only over Jason individually, but over the four of them together. And so maybe if y'all four just want to stay in the middle here, actually, I guess, well, they'll have to come up here, because uh, we, um, y'all can just stay there. Uh, 
That works too. We didn't go over, we should have had a rehearsal like you do for weddings, but we didn't do that. Um, Because we are also blessed within this family to have two former elders of this body uh, as members here, men who who served faithfully in a number of capacities uh, in in Dave Moorhead and in Barry Harper. And so they are going to come this morning and and read scripture uh, over these four men and pray over these four men. And and we're grateful for their willingness to do that, for their many years of service uh, to this church and and for what they will add to to this morning. And so as they're coming up... uh, I've got one more thing that I'm going to do. Um, we, we do many different blessings and, and recognitions, and we always seem to give out gifts when we do that. Uh, we're a gift-giving people. And so for our four elders this morning, uh, we have uh, books to present to them. You have homework now. So uh, these are books uh, called Good Shepherds, More Guidance for the Gentle Art of Pastoring. Uh, and I think pastoring is, is something that that these four men do very well and are gifted at. And so this is something to, to further equip you in that pursuit. It says more guidance because this is sort of a sequel to a book that, that many of these writers and editors had, had formally put together. And so that's, that's for you all to help equip you in, uh, in your pursuit of pastoring. And then, as I said, I'm going to turn it over to Barry and Dave, who are going to uh, bless and pray over uh, these men. Terry asked me just to make a couple of comments, and um, I guess as I reflect over my life, the challenges that God has placed uh, upon me, I think first about accepting Christ and living a life as a Christian is, has been and is a tremendous challenge. Uh, I think the challenge of being a godly husband is, is certainly a challenge as well. And becoming a parent is something that almost all of you uh, know the challenge that that is. But certainly one of the greatest challenges also was to uh, be asked to and, and to be an elder uh, here at, at the time, Canyon Creek, now the Vine. And uh, you, you almost never can know the responsibility, and I'll use the word challenge, uh, that being an elder of a church is, and you might think, well, we're a small congregation, we don't have a ton of people here, uh, but it's just amazing the situations that come up, and and just being a good leader that that requires so much time and so much effort. So, never minimize what these men are doing, and encourage them, thank them for everything that they do. I'd like to read from 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, Hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become 
conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He also uh, must have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. I'd like to um, share a, um, a scripture that has been very meaningful to me since I uh, was a young man. And uh, I think I'd like to apply this to the prayer that I will then uh, speak for the families and, and, the, and the new elder. Uh, this is from Isaiah. And it really is a celebration and an announcement of the great God who is the provider of all that we need. And this is a scripture. <clears throat> he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will have their strength renewed. They will soar on wings like eagles. <clears throat> they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That is God's promise of the strength that he will provide these people and all who hope in him. Join me in prayer, please. Dear Lord, you bless us in millions of ways every day, most of which we do not recognize or appreciate. But Father, this is a special time of blessing because we have opportunity to come with you and ask your help for a very important critical group of this particular body of Christ. Father, we come particularly for Jason, but also would ask your help with the others as well. We pray, Father, that you will, first of all, be with Jason and the elders. Give him the heart of a servant and a shepherd. Give him the wisdom and the discernment to know what to do and the courage to do it. Give him, O oh Lord, the faith and the love that would drive him to work relentlessly for the good of this particular group, which is part of you. Father, we also pray for the families because they also will require strength and help in the journey. And we ask you to help them be encouraging and faithful and considerate uh, in the responsibilities of these men. Father, we also pray for this group of Christians. And we pray that you will give each of us the commitment to support and love and encourage this group of men. Father, we're so grateful to you, and we know that you are responsible for all we have. 
And so we thank you again for Jason and his family particularly at this particular time and seek your help for them forever in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Barry and, and Dave. And uh, Barry and Dave have both been incredible blessings to me personally, to our family, and I know they are to our, to our congregation um, and, and to these four men as well. So thank you all very much for lending your, your voices and spirits uh, to our, our activities today and to our church family in general. I want to close with one other thing about uh, Jason. Today's your birthday, right? Yeah. It's not every day that it's your birthday and you're, you're added to the eldership. So, so he may not like this, but I'm going to ask that we close by singing happy birthday to Jason. We don't always do that for people, but like I said, it's not every day that it's your birthday and you're added as an elder. So we don't, but let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jason. Happy birthday to you. All right. Uh, We're glad that you're here. We've got classes that will begin in just a few minutes uh, across the other building. Uh, Thank you, and you're dismissed.